This is Counterculture with Marie Busky. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. on Reality Check Radio. You're with Counterculture on Reality Check Radio. I'm Marie, and my first guest this morning is Rachel Stewart, writer, host of her own Substack, Riding Shotgun, fierce advocate for free speech, and the holder of strong opinions. Rachel, welcome. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, all all good. It's a it's a sunny day here in Wanganui. It is a sunny day. It is a nice day. Uh, Welcome along and I really enjoyed your conversation with Paul. If people haven't caught up with that, Rachel spoke with Paul actually in our first week of Reality Check Radio and that repeat uh, and replay is available now if you want to go and check that out. It was funny because I heard Paul talking to you and you were already on my list of people that I wanted to reach out to so I was quite jealous. I was like, ah! So it was great to get hold of you and there's so much I want to talk to you about but first up, why do you think the truth is so frightening for people? <laughs> That's a good question. I think the truth is terribly frightening for people, isn't it? And I don't understand because I uh, love the truth and I don't understand how anyone could not embrace the truth and always want the truth. But it seems to be part of our culture now that we we just uh, fly like albatrosses slowly over land and just glide across everything and think everything's okay or or, or I don't know what we do, but a lot of people just don't want to hear the truth. They can't handle the truth. Yeah, I know. Feels like that Jack Nicholson moment, doesn't it? It does. They can't handle, handle the truth. The truth. Yeah. And there is definitely a motivation, I think, for people just wanting to be told what to do. I find that quite mm. quite amazing. I'm quite contrarian, so I sort of was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> people do want to be told what to do. It's easy for them. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's scary. So- it is scary. So let's wind the clock back a little bit because I know this happened to you five years ago and some people may not be aware of it. You were working as uh, with the Herald, is that correct? Yes, I was a columnist for the Herald. Yeah, columnist for the Herald. And those strong opinions finally, sort of according to them, crossed a line. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's funny, it didn't cross the line when they published it because I don't think they knew at that point how big the trans problem was going, was or was going to be. Mm. And they published it fine. They were just a little bit annoyed when um, the trans activists en masse went and reported uh, to them that they wanted me sacked and they went to the media council because I wrote a column about, you know, self-ID and what was coming. So that was Mm. five years ago and that's coming Mm. in on June the 15th. And they went nuts. And I kind of expected a big reaction, but even I was absolutely amazed. If my editor had any idea that it was going to blow like it did, I'm sure he would have censored me then, but mm. he didn't. And then they sort of more credit off. to him for that. Well, he didn't. And I don't think they. No, I don't think they knew what, what was going to happen. They had no idea. They had no idea about the trans thing, like most of New Zealand didn't. Mm. But when they got the reaction, and they had to reply to the media council and do that work, is when they got pissed off. Mm. And so I did another year. But when I tried to speak about, again, a year later, um, to speak again about the trans stuff, mostly it would speak up for women being turned away from the Christchurch Library or the Palmerston North Campus, I think it was, Massey. They wouldn't publish it, so I just went, see you, and walked. Because it was very benign. It was actually, ironically, an article. It was a a column about women being able to speak, but then it got shut down so women couldn't speak. How bloody ironic was that? So I walked and I looked in the mirror every day since and thought that was the best decision I could ever make. And I could see where the 
trajectory was going with the New Zealand Herald and I didn't want to be part of that media anymore and I'm not. And then you created your own Substack, and there's some great work across there. Of course, fast forward to now, you know, the shit show that happened in Auckland, you know, what, nearly a month back now? Uh, three weeks ago, yeah. Three weeks, yeah. It yeah. is, I think oh. now New Zealanders are starting to, oh, to look, get an inkling of what's going Ma on. Marie, I'm heartened. I really am. I, um, I've, I've sort of felt like I'm out here in the wilderness with the Annie O'Briens of the world and a whole and a bunch of other women. Now I feel like I have people coming up to me in the street saying, oh, now I know what you were on about. You know, oh, wasn't that terrible? Bugger that. Or I'm going to leave. We've got to have a divorce, the LGB from the TQI. And I'm, so people are accosting me in the street now or bringing me up and saying, I get it. And I'm watching everyone talking about it, including men. And I have to say, I've never felt more heartened. I now feel like... The fight is on, seriously, mm. and that people have joined us and suddenly seen it for what it is. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you, it's interesting you bring up the divorce between the mm. LGB and the TQI. Mind yeah. you, the, you know the Canadians have added another couple of letters to it? Did no, you see I don't. That? Yes, no. no. In Canada no, now. That surprised me. Yes. No. Yeah, well, the Canadians, you know. It's, yeah. The Canadians good. now have two SLGBTQI+. Do they? They do. I had to ring a Canadian friend. I had to do phone a friend because I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, all right. See, you lost me at the plus. I, I didn't even, I mean, once they started adding symbols, I was like, oh, really, people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just put everything except straight white people and then we'd be good. But, um, yes, no, apparently it stands for two spirit. Oh, yeah, two spirit. Yeah, two yeah, spirit. yeah. Oh, good yes. on them. Oh, I love them. Yes. Yeah. Bless their okay. wee hearts. Uh, but there is definitely, in terms of, because it's very hierarchical, this entire gen gender identity is about hierarchy, let's face it. I'm mm. surprised they haven't actually changed everything around to TQI plus, or oh, maybe LGB. Well, LGB. they hate us. They hate us. It would feel, I mean, and they've, but they've hitched their wagon to our star. Mm. So, so they realised that they had to sort of do that to get, I mean, once they realised the T meant lots of funding, they just tagged us on. Now I'm sure they'd like to divorce us too because most sane gay people who they call genital fetishists um, don't want anything to do with us. And, and certainly um, that's, that, that is exacerbated since Auckland. Mm. And um, I, 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 we want a divorce and I'm really open and, and out about that. And they don't want the divorce because then the funding would dry up. But there were no more battles after LGB. Um, won the right to marry. There's nothing yes. I can I can't do that you can't do or can do. And so they just wanted extra money, and that's they realised the trans was the way to go. And then the billionaires in California stepped up and started spending money all around the world. And here we are. My now wife... I talked about that in that column in eighteen, and I got called a I got called all sorts of names, a conspiracy theorist. That was very early on, and also I mentioned George Soros, so that meant I was an anti-Semite because George Soros's Open Foundation does fund lots of trans groups, lobby groups. But I also mentioned Warren Buffett, because he's involved too. Mm. Um, but no one called me anti-Nebraskan, so there you go. For me, it's like, where did these old activists go? Once you've achieved everything that you want to achieve, and once marriage equality happened, mm. I mean, was that, did these activists sort of think, well, I need to justify my existence, so what is the next movement within the rainbow yeah. community. Oh, you know, I mean, is, is 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 that cynical or is that accurate? No, no, that's that's right. I mean, that's what attract the money. But the money, the money's been coming for a while, and the lobbying's been huge. And you know, and I wanted to. And in eighteen, I touched on that, and the media council pinged me for basically. They said I made it up. I I, I said to the Herald, I can prove 
where the money's coming from and they didn't bother actually going that extra mile to get the get the little pinging from the media council which which is a badge of honor for me I don't care knocked out so I the money has been flowing for a long time it is massive you just have to look at pharmaceuticals and what happened with COVID it's it, it's the, exactly the same trajectory it is about making money Yes, I spoke to Scott Nugent a couple of weeks ago on oh, this. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, and wow. he was fascinating. He said this is about money and power and they yes. don't care who they harm in the process. No. It is, and he said that, like, he's talked about his own transition and I said to him, at any point, did somebody put their hand up and say, okay, Scott, have you really considered the consequences of your actions? do you want to let's discuss this before we go forward and he said no 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 it's the, a, a free-for-all yeah and he said it in fast like in really yeah. fast like in america very fast i mean it's it's the home of mutilating kids in mm. terms of cutting breasts off perfectly healthy girls and all that stuff and they don't question it's just money it's just money, mm. and it, their system is geared that way, as you as you well know. And it's you know it's it's everything to do with medicine in America is about the money, and here we are with COVID. I think one of the things COVID did do is it actually put the brakes on this for a while because it was gathering momentum yes. up through twenty nineteen, yes. and then COVID happened, and the brakes sort of went on, and then Black Lives Matter sort of took over. So the whole race debate yes. got got a new wind. Did you? Yes. Yes, I did notice that. I did. And I think what happened too is during COVID, I think the mental health problems that are inherent in the trans cult, um, not supposed to say that, but I'm going to, This a lot of this is mental illness, mm. um, uh, which plays into the hands of the money makers, uh, slowed down because they couldn't do anything much and they couldn't go out. And I think, you know, if you had a drug problem, you had a bigger drug problem at the end of COVID because you were staying home. So you took mm. the meth and I mean, I, I can see that around Wanganui or where, where I live. The increase in meth is out of control. It's all around the country. So I think the COVID lockdowns did a lot of damage in many ways, and certainly to the trans people, it did a lot of damage to them too. So, yeah, it it uh, it did slow it down, but we're back full steam now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think the relationship, I mean, are we in an abusive relationship with those in government when it comes to communicating, whether it be COVID or this trans identity? I mean, are they treating New Zealanders as if they were in an abusive personal relationship? That's that's what I feel like. It's oh, that, I, I'm living in a dystopian nightmare at the moment. I mean, I really feel that. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but certainly after, I know that three, it's three weeks tomorrow since Cozy Parker was here. And I know in that three-week period I've ridden that roller coaster of, oh, my God, I can't believe what's happening to anger, mm. to despair, to sadness, to hope. I mean, it's been a roller coaster. And then seeing Chris Hipkins not not wanting to answer the question of who is a woman. He knows what a woman is. Um, we all do. I, I really feel that uh, it, it is an abusive relationship. This government's got to go. I'm not sure what we'll replace it with. It won't be much better, I'm quite sure. But um, maybe it'll just have a different feel if we can get some people over that 5% that are a little bit more representative of, of all of us. Um, I'm certainly for the first time in my life going to vote unsafely mm. in the sense that I want who I want and I want them to get over 5% and I don't care if, if Labor gets back in. I mean, I do care, but I don't think they will. 
Um, but I just can't vote for National Rec because it's more of the same rep. Mm. It was Muriel Newman said something uh, earlier in the week with Paul about people actually making their voting decisions based on who um, doesn't offend them the least, like who offends them the least. And yeah. I mean, in a democracy, isn't that a sad indictment? Oh, well, these are the dying days of democracy, aren't they? Mm. I mean, we've got, we've got two options. We're either going to get democracy back and it's going to start working for us and the world's going to come back to some sort of normality. And I don't kind of feel that that's really on the cards. Or we have a revolution, which never is very good and it usually involves blood. But, you know, I can see the despair and I can see the anger in people and it's not going to take much to tip people over the edge. I'm not mm. inciting it and it's not something that I want. No one would want that. But something has to give. Democracy mm. in, Western, in the Western world is uh, on its mm. knees at the moment. Yeah, I'm just going to roll back to something that you said earlier about mm -hmm. your uh, first piece that you wrote. You said that some trans activists complained en masse. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get that quantified, what that mass was? Was it 1, 2, 20, 30? Over 300. 300, wow. Over 300. Yeah. And they all went on to, um, they all coordinated. You could see them doing yeah, it's a on, mob. I, I kind of thought it was coming. I had mm. a feeling it might come, but I didn't know how it was going to come. Mm. And, yeah, they about 300 went on online and complained. Some went to the police even back then. Mm -hmm. And, of course, a few years later, then, of course, I put out a tweet that they decided was a death threat. And, again, another three to 400 complained, the same people, to the police, and they came and got my guns off me. Right. But, and you've heard that story, but yes. $14,500 later I got them back because I wasn't prepared to just accept that I wasn't a fit and proper person to have guns when I've had them since I was very young and farming background and I need them. Yeah, mm. so I fought, fought that. One of the things, because having been on the receiving end of one of these mob things myself, like I got a piece of advice very early on around the quantification. And that was interesting because when I quantified it, I found that often, as you said, they all coordinated. So there was definitely a coordination, mm. but also it was the same. It was maybe different voices, but saying exactly the same thing. Absolutely. So yes. there was a repetition there, and you're seeing that now. Like I looked up, I all of a sudden since the incident three weeks ago, the word genocide, oh yeah, kept yeah. popping up. You know, trans genocide, yeah. and I thought, re really? And hyperbolic language is a real bugbear with me. Mm, like it's me a, real, a real bugbear, and yeah. I was like, gen genocide. Because for me, I think genocide, I think uh, the former Yugoslavia, I think Rwanda. Yeah, I think, too. you know, proper genocide. Jew Jews and ovens. Jews and ovens, exactly. That's what mm. I'm thinking. So I'm thinking, well, where are the bodies piling up on this to Nowhere. be genocide? Nowhere. Not really, no. The suicide stats, are, you know, they tell us that trans people kill themselves and it you know, more likely to, but they're more likely to after they transition, actually. And their stats aren't that high. So we, we hear a lot of stuff that's absolutely fake. But that, but here's what's what the Wokies have done and the hardcore left, well, that pains me to say they're left because they're not really left, um, have done is they've got this game down pat. They know exactly how to do it. They coordinate really well. They've left the rest of us sort of um, wrong-footed. And we're having to catch up now, and I think we are. They use your lines against you and turn it. It's incredible to watch. It's incredible yeah. to watch. They're very good at it. 
Yeah, and they've been good at it for a long time too. I they think have. they've been yeah. doing it for so much longer. And I think that particularly as New Zealanders, and I think the Canadians found this too, is that we have a tendency, you know, we're actually nice. So when something happens, you think, oh, have I done that? And you you tend to reflect yes. inwards and you think, well, yeah. am I actually that way? And, and actually it's about identifying when you are trying to be, they're trying to suppress you. Yes. For whatever it is that you don't like. Yes. And yes. 99.9% .9 of the time, you've not actually done anything wrong. No, but you do. But I remember the first time it happened, which was that article. And I remember thinking, what if I, you know, yeah, there was a joke in there about Priscilla Queen in the desert. Yeah, but I was trying to lighten it up. And I kept looking at it thinking, a am I really a Nazi? Am I really a bigot? Mm. You know, it really hurt. It really hurt because it was so not anything to do with intention on my part. Mm. It was all the things they were saying about me. You become this caricature, this this myth, you know, and you don't even recognise yourself in their words. Mm. And so once I got through that bit, and then where the gun thing happened, so I had to go through a bit more pain there. But by that stage, I'd hardened up. I, yeah, I've just got so used to being called these things. They're meaningless to me now. Yeah, but I know a lot of people same. really struggle when they get accused of these things because it really upsets them. And then they apologise, you stupid <gasps> Never Golden never rule apologize. number one. Yeah, and I never do. I double down because I just think, you've got to be kidding me. You're calling me all these things. You know nothing about me. You know nothing about my life. Not really. And you and, and I still read things about myself that I just think, unbelievable. Yeah. There's a lot of projection that goes on with that. And golden rule number one, never apologize. Like, I never. think I say I think I say every show, never. Yeah, and I never have. And they hate me. They hate me to my core because mm. I will. And I'm a woman who won't apologize. It's even worse. Mm. never apologize to these people because they will just keep going and keep going yeah going back to you know why is the truth so frightening is that when people say these things to you and you think to yourself if they've said this to me it must be true but you actually need to realize within yourself that it's not true it's not true but there's it's a moment true. where that light clicks on and get it mm. and for me i realized very quickly the trans the trans stuff was about male power was about misogyny mm. um and it was about just putting women in their place. And when I finally clicked to that, I it, I was away. I was fine. Yeah. Now nothing really touches me anymore. Yeah. I mean, apart from coming get my guns, the police that touched me psychologically because I thought, why have the police fallen for this crap? Mm. And then when they came here, and I said, then what are you doing here? Why are you wasting time on this? Mm. Do you think Laurel Hubbard's a, a woman? I said to them, and they started laughing. I said, well, you're just the foot soldiers. Come and get my guns by all means, but this will not stand. And I think that moment when the actual authorities came and took my guns for a harmless, jokey tweet was the day I woke up because I realised the state was incredibly in our lives at that point and that the police were doing their bidding, which they did at Albert Park by not intervening yeah. with the, you know, and, and, and when the state come and tell people they can't say certain things or come and take, Golly dolls, which I'm sure we're going to segue yeah, into. Yeah, going to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You realise that you're living in a dystopian world, and I think Albert Park was another example of that. Some people, honestly, it doesn't affect them. They think it's all good. But, boy, it really affects me in the sense that I don't want to live in a world like this, really. Mm. You said it then, when the state inserted themselves in this. And the state have been inserting themselves, I think, in our lives for decades. Yes. But it certainly was amplified during COVID. And we mm. saw where the state not only inserted themselves between the doctor-patient relationship, mm. which I think was terrifying. And what I mean by that is 
if for anyone as a patient, if you were to go to see a doctor and you had questions, for example, about COVID, the vaccination, and you wanted to do your due diligence, which as a patient is your within the Bill of Rights to do so, okay. your physician or your doctor or your alternative pr practitioner, whatever they were, were instructed by the state, by their governing bodies, that they only could deliver a single narrative and a single narrative only. Yeah, and if they scary. didn't do that, that they were censured. And that, for me, when I saw that happen, I, I that chilled me to the bone. I mm. was mm. like, this is all sorts of wrong. Yes, it really brought it home, didn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, and so most... And when yeah. I talk to people, like normies, as Paul calls them, when I talk to and I say to people, do you realise that this is happening? Or they will say, oh, if it's that bad, my doctor would have said something or someone would have said something. It's like, no, you don't get it. They're not allowed no. to say no. it. That's right. And our media, as you know, are completely complicit in all of it. And hence where I'm talking to you today. Mm. Because I can't, because I won't talk to normal mainstream media ever. And I, that I want me to anyway, because I'll say things like this and, even for me. Before we um, jump off this topic, I just want to talk a little bit about the whole Dylan Mulvaney mm. thing in the States. So Dylan Mulvaney is is a man. Yes. He was a very effeminate gay man who yes. decided to transition and has just completed his 365 days of transition, which has now been celebrated and lauded as if it was the second coming of Christ in the US on <laughs> mainstream media. <laughs> yep. And... Anne Hauser Bush, Bud mm -hmm. Light, did a can, like a, cel a celebratory limited mm -hmm. edition can mm -hmm. for them. Jack Daniels have jumped on the trans train. Kate Spade has given them. Jack Daniels have, I'm disgusted to hear that. Jack Daniels, you, really? look, you look up oh. um, Jack Daniels picnic. Um, there's a piece in there. It's it, Personally, oh. I find it hilarious. Like if it were... Priscilla Queen of the Desert style, like a parody mm. on it where you actually can laugh at it and have fun. Yeah, it would but, be great. Nah. But Jack Daniels, I looked at this and I'm thinking, why on earth are they doing this? This is not to their target market. This no. has got nothing to do with the people that they're talking to, but it's not meant to. They've well, I no... drink Jack Daniels occasionally. I like a nice bourbon. Mm. Um, whether it's a nice bourbon is, is obviously up for debate, but I like it and I just have an occasional one on ice, but I'm never going to do that again. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I've got, I've got to ruin your, ruin your quiet topic. Sorry about that. <laughs> Just go somewhere um, else. Well, see, the other one was Kate Spade. I love myself a bit. Of, I, you know, I'm a big girl. I can't do lovely fashion, but I do like myself a, a nice handbag, and that yeah. kind of ruined that for me. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, that doesn't affect me too much. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Nike. I mean, Nike, Nike have got her, yeah. Uh, yeah. them at promoting their women's wear. So yep. this tiny little scrawny man, man yeah. um, with no boobs, leaping around in sportswear in what I can only find is the most patronising, disgusting parody yep. of what they believe a woman is. Yeah. It's yeah, he's got two little bumps. He's got like peanuts on an ironing board under there. And uh, um, and there they are. There he is promoting women's sports bras with these two little bumps. Uh, it's just it. It's it would be funny if it wasn't so incredibly abusive, really. Mm, and they in their previous ambassador who took some, I think, time out to uh, to start a family who was an Olympian. Yeah. And they what? sort of cast her aside. Yeah. I just yeah. oh, 
Well, what I think is happening is you've got the Wokies coming out young and they're getting the jobs and they're getting into positions of power now and they're coming up to their 30s or if they're not in the early 30s and suddenly everyone's listening to them as, as the voice of the youth. And I think particularly with Budweiser, which is the shittiest beer I've ever tasted in my life, they, they, they ditched their market. They ditched their redneck market, which is big in America. I've spent a lot of time there. I know all about the rednecks. Um, mm. Some of them very nice people, I must say. They drink that crap. They won't be now. They've, they've taken a huge hit. You do not swap out one part of your proven market with another one that is unproven. And that's what the Wokies have done wrong. And they just, then they're living in a bubble and they've, and it's what's happening in Parliament. I mean, it's what's happening with our government. They're being, they're being absolutely advised by young people straight out of university who, and they believe what they're telling them. I mean, I'm sure Chris Luxon's fallen for that too. You, you really would wish he would find his balls, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, that's not going to happen. That's another, so let's not go there. Um, not go there. No, you were, so news. I mean, Daily Mail in the UK, um, Bud Light's parent company, Anheuser-Busch, mm. lost $6 billion in six days. $6 billion? $6 billion in wow. six days off their share value. Wow. After. Yeah, doing that. Doing that. So why? I mean, in media, they're now starting to backtrack. So in media, they're now, because yep. Disney was one of the first to really push this agenda big time. So yep. you've got not only Disney, but they also own the ABC. Yeah. We saw it with a change. There was one particular show that my family and I used to really enjoy on ABC, an American show. First two seasons, wonderful. Third season, they uh, openly said, we uh, have got script writers in and we've had uh, sensitivity, sensitivity writers. <laughs> oh, there's an oh, oxymoron for you. Sensitivity yeah. writers. Writers. Yep, come in, equity advisors, and wow. the script and storylines became exceptionally woke. And we just were like, mm, no. That's the end of that. that yeah, and I cancelled Netflix last year. I just, and they asked me why. I said, too woke. Thanks. Bye. Cancelled my New York Times subscription. Why? You're too woke. I'm sick of it. Well, thanks for letting us know. And I hope we come back to the New York Times family, which I thought was a pretty good response, to be honest. That was a way, good way of putting it. They accepted my, because I've been subscribing mm. for years. But yeah, now I'm voting with my feet. And I never used to do that. But now I will never, ever, ever support any of these companies again that mm. are doing this carry on. And, I, and I'm surprised at my response because I used to think it was pointless and that's what the Wokies do. But actually, you vote with your feet. You vote with your wallet. And if 51% of the population is women and a good hunk of us don't like how we're being treated, it's going to actually, and, and our men don't like the way that we're being treated, then it's going to impact their bottom lines all right. Mm. I'm mm. speaking with Rachel Stewart, writer, host of her own Substack, writing Shotgun here on Counterculture with Marie. One of the good news is about good news about that, Rachel, is I saw yesterday Warner Brothers announced the new TV series version of Harry Potter, yes. of which J.K. Rowling is going to be executive producer. And some media outlets expressed surprise in inverted commas that they did that based on her opinions that she has. To me, that was signalling finally that Warner Brothers were thinking, hmm, we need to make money off this. It needs to be a success. It needs to be expensive. Do you think that potentially they could be learning? I think they could be, and I think that media will start to learn when it hits their bottom lines. Of course, you know, our media has been bailed out by the PIJ Fund, Public Interest Journalism Fund. They are starting to learn, I think. 
But what it tells you is that when they signed up for the money from from state fund, you know, from state funds, which are is that they signed up to, and I've seen the documentation, they signed up to always being positive about the transcode. Um, plus the treaty, plus various other things that they signed up to. I've seen seen that. I think they are starting to learn because it is going to affect their bottom line. And again, the market will bring some sort of equilibrium back. Mm. But when the states and our media, we've got a hell of a road to hoe. That's all around the world. But particularly in New Zealand with election year, we're really up against it. Mm. So um, the state is controlling the media narrative. There's got to be journalists. And I, you know, there's got to be journalists. None of them really speak to me anymore because, you know, once what happened to me was done, they didn't you know, they didn't want anything to happen to them, so they don't talk to me anymore. But the people I do occasionally talk to are now realising that um, maybe they're on a they're on a hiding to nothing here by just carrying on with this. So they'll either have to leave their jobs mm. or the culture will just have to keep changing the way I think it is so that we can start talking about these things openly. Because you and I both know you don't see much pushback on the, on the trans cult anywhere in our media or any media really. No, no. I wonder now that the COVID, the government COVID funding is drying up and the public mm. interest journalism fund, surely when we're heading into, well, we are in a recession, mm. that can't go forever. We've no. seen the first inklings of trouble with yes. Today FM and now what, three senior executives, including yes. the CEO, have yep. gone, yep. walked away. Do you think that this is a taste of what's to come? I do. I think it's going to they're going to start dropping like dominoes, but I just don't know exactly when. Mm. Um, but I think it's sooner than I thought. Uh, I see stuff too. We're talking about a big announcement in Parliament, banquet hall, which I find quite ironic. Uh, in a couple of weeks, and I imagine they're going to pay. They're going to the pay model. They know they can't survive past that that government funding. So I think we're going to start seeing some domino effects. Mm. I really hope so. I, like to see the the mass the ma mainstream media just fall on mass. Well, stuff was right on the edge of going under just prior yes. to COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, was yeah for the one dollar sales. Uh, Sinead Bouchier took on a lot. Boy, it's unbearable now. It's unbearable to read. And if I feel like that, and I'm not a cons I'm not a right wing Christian bigot mm. um, by any means, as people identify me as, because I must be funded by the Christian right. Because why else would I be talking about the stuff they used to say these things? I am have always been pretty much a good liberal or to the left than right mm. uh, person. But if I'm feeling all this, mind you, I've had these personal experiences, but imagine what the average punters, and I'm seeing it now, the average punters going, I can't read this. This is just crap. I can't, it's unbearable. So, you know, it, it's, it, the momentum is building every day. Yeah, it is building. I have a bingo card that I created a while yeah. ago. It, it's not my original idea. I stole it from a friend. And on it are all the ad hominems that you can get called. So obviously racist and mm. uh, transphobe, homophobe. Mm -hmm. Homophobe mm. is my personal favourite because yeah, my yeah. you know, because yeah. I know so many gay people. Well, me, uh, I get called a homophobe <laughs> and I'm gay. I mean, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's ridiculous. Um, and I have to admit, the new one for me uh, with this disinformation project, bless their little hearts, um, mm. domestic terrorist. Are you a trad wife? Yes, I am a trad wife domestic terrorist. Are you? And your yeah. neighbour should be reporting you. Do you I remember know. that? That's I'll never forget that scene in Web of Chaos with Kate Hannah sitting there. It hasn't been talked about near enough where she sits there and says, well, you know, 
they're all on Pinterest and they do crocheting and crafts. My partner does preserving. She does crocheting. She has a crocheting pattern website that she sells online. She's She bottles. She doesn't braid her hair, but I'm sure she would if she could. But we were sitting there aghast. We had to watch it about three times. I've had people come around and say, you've got to watch this. And we're roaring with laughter. And Same. I think that's when they did themselves in. I, I mean, I, my God, preserving and bottling, you're a te- domestic terrorist. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I looked at that and having being in the knitting industry, I was just like, oh my gosh, you have just literally mm. um, been abusive to most female mm. New Zealand women. backbone core women. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. oh, it was utterly. It was unbelievable. And she said, oh, it's very challenging. It's very confronting because that's my background too, the Nordic, pseudo-Nordic. She said pseudo-Nordic, pseudo-Celtic um, kind of vibe. What the hell? Well, suddenly we're supposed to feel really bad about the fact that we hail from the Northern Hemisphere. Oh. You know, it was just unbelievable. I mean, how nice it must be to be Kate Hannah to have a green stand view of the inside of your own anus, but there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, God, the dis- anyway, I always love the name of the disinformation project too because I always just think of it as that's its name because yeah. it's just full of disinformation. It's just such a great name for it. I was uh, listening to a spectator interview last night, and in the interview, it popped up a thing called the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. Have you heard of them? No. Oh, I looked them up this morning. Yeah. I think that's where they got the idea for the Disinformation Project. It's based in the UK, and it's essentially the Disinformation Project on steroids out of the UK. Okay. You have a look, if you want to go giggle over tea and scones, there you go. Have a look at that. Uh, I flicked you some articles because I did want to talk about this before we go. This is, I mentioned this in the show last week with Marty. It is a story that has tickled my fancy, and I love it because the uk is a little bit further down the woke train than what we have here in new zealand in a lot of respects and especially around speech and the legislation Mm. around speech we actually the work with the free speech union actually managed to get our legislation tempered back yeah essex pub landlady had gollywogs and actually and i'm going to read i didn't send you the original article but i am going to just read the one line that absolutely made me laugh out loud moment six police officers raid a pub and seize 15 gollywog dolls after a customer made a hate crime complaint (laughs) oh my get a life you stupid twit this is what i love though today on tuesday essex police raided the pub and confiscated the dolls saying they were investigating a hate crime and they also took a book about the history of gollywogs six officers walked into a bar to question ms riley at the table one inspects the bar before taking the dolls and putting them in an evidence bag it is six officers walk into a bar it sounds like a joke because it is (laughs) because it's private bloody property for one thing Oh, another thing. I mean, they come and take your golly dolls. Unbelievable. I know. And one of the things that I love is the landlady of the pub, Bernice Riley, she had these uh, confiscated and straight away she put a sign up um, over the bar that said, sorry for no gollies. Police seized them this morning because of some snowflake complaint. (laughs) 
which would have got right up their nose again. I know. And I sat there and I thought to myself, oh, if I ever get to Essex, I'm having a drink in that pub. Oh, definitely. I'm going there. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I've loved is that people have now donated, clutching an armful of dolls, including three that have been donated by supporters, she said, I'm going to put them back. Yeah. She added, I'm getting a notice printed saying, we've got gollies on display. If you find this offensive, please don't come in. If you don't like them, you can walk out the door. Exactly. This is, what happened to this? Well, you didn't like a TV program, right? Remember back in the day, you'd sit there and go, change the oh, channel. I don't like that. I'm going to change the channel. I've oh, Certain things make me uncomfortable. Oh, I'm out of there. I mean, it's a simple bloody thing. Yeah, Tom Daly, who manages a nearby charity shop, said the dolls made his blood boil and he was shocked that they were still on display in such a diverse area. It's really interesting because I travelled to Fiji many years ago after I had my golly incident. Similar sort of scenario, someone had invertedly posted in one of my communities a piece of knitting with the golly doll and the whole, you know... Mm the mob ensued happened to be in fiji walked into a pharmacy in fiji saw a wall of baby items right across the top wall were dozens of golly dolls all shapes and sizes and i'm looking at them and i couldn't believe it so i took a photograph of it and the girl behind the counter said oh do you like our baby dolls yeah baby dolls do you police this sort of thing because you can't can you no this is where free this is the whole point a free speech and free conversation, is it That's not? Right. That's right. And you can't, but they'll try, and they are doing that. Um, what happens when you silo people into, you know, when you take critical race theory to its absolute zenith, which we're doing, and you silo, and everything else, the trans, everyone, and you silo people into all these categories? I mean, there's a bar in Wong. Let me give you an example. There's a bar in Wanganui that I've I refuse to have anything to do with it. It's called Porridge Watson, right? Apparently it's cool. The cool people go there. I've been there once. I'm obviously a bit too old to be cool now, so I don't give, give a toss. It didn't, didn't feel good. But late, but lately they've got this gay trans corner that they've delegated where you have this, you know, trans corner, gay corner, and you all sit there. And I'm thinking, why would I, why would I a gay woman, want to go into a bar and sit with other gay people or, and trans people I call that segregation. I just want to go to a bar and talk to people that I know and have a drink. See, one it's person segregation. segregation is another person's safe space, Rachel. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Well, I just think to myself, this is so regressive. It is so back to front and so upside down and inside out. We've lost our collective freaking minds. So mm. I will have nothing to do with that, pub. Because to me, if you're going to silo people into little groups, then I just become a a member of a group. I don't want to sit there with gay people. Why do I want to do that? This is why I find it so amazing. So, you know, I'm of an age. My friends, my closest friend is a gay man. I have a lot of very close gay friends, and all of them are in their um, early 60s, late, very late 50s, early 60s. These were the men in New Zealand that a number of them were at the forefront Mm. of uh, homosexual law reform Mm. in their late teens so they have fought to just be accepted as part of new zealand society they are appalled Mm. now that that they're wanting to segregate themselves yes from new zealand society it just is counterintuitive i mean i was born in 1962 so i turned 60 this year so i'm I'm old or however you want to look at it i'm also experienced i went to a girls school in wanganui wanganui girls college and it was an interesting experience and i was I've never not been out, really. I was a farm girl. I was a tomboy. I mean, it was just something that was just a given. Everyone knew 
my sexuality. It was just, mm. but it wasn't easy. I, I imagine the, the difficulties that I had in the 70s aren't the difficulties they're having now, but, you know, it was more honest. And if people didn't like you because you were gay, they'd tell you and you go, oh, okay, carry on. Mm. It just toughened you up. You just didn't, you know. When you think about at high school and, you know, in your 1975 self. Yes. You know, as you said, people would be honest. Now, if this was 2020 mm. and you were that person, they would then rush you into therapy, tell you, are you really sure you're in the right body? And yes. start filling your head full of the stuff and send yes. you down to transition. Because, I mean, I'm 10 years younger than you, and I mm. I was very tomboyish at school because I, mm. I grew up on a farm as well. So I'm mm. a farm kid, grew up mm -hmm. on a farm, went to an all-girls school. Mm -hmm. I Same sort of thing. And that's why I get really concerned about yes. the promotion of this trans identity because – I think to myself, gosh, you know, I was still trying to figure myself out. Yeah, as we all were. As we all were back then. And I was a bit of an outsider and I didn't quite fit in with the cool girls and I really wasn't quite sure about where I fit. And it worries me that if somebody had gotten to me when I was mm -hmm. in that vulnerable state, mm -hmm. what a mess I would be in now. Now, I did figure it out. I then, as I got older and I went away, actually for me, it was a being an exchange student. I went over to the USA and lived in the Midwest amongst rednecks and military people. Right. And it's amazing to that for me, that experience, the value mm. of that experience okay. taught me a lot about myself. Absolutely. So that was the, what catapulted Marie mm. as an adult today, but it mm. does worry me, doesn't it? You know, these kids, I've got two mm. teenagers now, it terrifies me. They come home, my boy, I've got boys, they, my boys come home and because, you know, they live with grumpy mama bear mm. who de-wokeifies them at yeah. every opportunity, Good. they they identify, they and they've seen the effects of this on both me and my professional life and my husband and his. And so, of course, you try and shield them. Mm. But, but I mean, they're, they're not yeah. silly. I've got hope. They, I see them and their friends. They're, they're this next generation along. These Zoomers are looking at what's happening now. And they're Good. Like, we don't want a part of this. Good. Well, there is hope. I, for me, I was a tomboy. I was on the tractor at five. Shouldn't have been health and safety or the rest of it. We're still alive. We're okay. Yeah. Um, so I got, you know, and I had brothers, and so I was very much onto farm activities. And then when my mother left my father, I was 11, and we went to America for three years. She married an American, took me. I was the youngest of four. I don't regret that at all. I was mm. coming back for trips back to the farm. But we were living in San Francisco. We would go down to the Castrol, and I'm like 12, 13. And there's female cops that are all lesbians with guns on their hips and mm. gay male cops in the Castrol, and it was I, and I realised it was world. There was another world outside of Wanganui, you know, that that you could. And this was the gay capital of the world. Mm. And so I thought it didn't convert me. I was already obviously going to be a lesbian, but just made me realise that there was a there was a world that was quite accepting, mm. and rightly or wrongly. And I came back to Wanganui and got on with my life. And I spent time in America a lot, and um, still have connections there. But I, that was a. It was a. It was good to see that we could be anybody we wanted to be. And, I, you know, I say to people all the time, I don't want to be celebrated for my gayness. I want to be ignored for it. I want that to be nothing. I am a person. It doesn't matter. I don't want the celebration. Pride makes me want to puke. I hate the flag. Um, I've got to the point now, and I'm, people will say, well, she's old, it doesn't matter. 
But I've got to the point now when if I see a pride flag, I tell them why I won't come in. I just I let them ring them up and say, when you take that pride flag down, I'll come in and do my business. Some of them, you know, they put it up for the week or the month mm. that we have to celebrate our sexuality or whatever the hell. And that's the thing. The tea is not a sexuality. It's a kink, generally. Not necessarily. But it's not a sexuality. It doesn't mm. fit with us. It's not It's not where we're comfortable. And I don't want anything to do with it. And I've, I, I think I speak for a lot of gay people on that. Not all of them, but some of them. No. I, I mean, I know a couple of old school trannies and they've told me that exactly what you said they just all they've ever wanted was to live their life yep they 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 don't want to live their gender out on their sleeves they've got no no interest in that they want to run their businesses live their lives just essentially be left alone to get on yeah get on to get on with it whereas yeah wearing your identity out and the yeah in this virtue signaling from businesses to put stuff out i got a lot of pressure i mean this is years ago six seven years ago a lot of pressure from the the woke knitting cult to diversity statements were all the de rigueur at that time and everyone had to put up a diversity statement to allow to signal to those that you were a safe place for them to come and shop Right. If you're that insecure that Pure. you can't walk into a wool shop mm. because of your sexuality, <laughs> I mean, oh, darling, I'm I think sorry. you need therapy. Uh, you do. Sorry. And um, I look back on, you know, the 70s and 80s and 90s and what the thing we'd walk into pubs and, you know, we and people would be sometimes abusive and you just, it, it was, it made us who we are. And I don't, I don't think people have to, look, I don't. I'm not anti-abortion, but I because it doesn't. It's never affected me. Maybe that's why I'm not anti-abortion. But I never write off anti-abortionists. They have a point. Mm. I never write off Christians. They have a point. They are entitled to their views on anything. You just be respect. And if someone doesn't like my lifestyle, that's entirely up to them. I don't care. Mm. I carry on, and I don't know what happened to just letting people not like you sometimes and it's okay you don't have to destroy them you don't have to ring their employers up and make their life hell or come and get their guns or something because you didn't like a tweet or you know the world is gone nuts Mm. and it's it's morally bankrupt yeah well it's tribal mob mentality um, on attacking people park marie you saw it i just saw posey being escorted out of there and thought this is just which this is just witch hunt stuff this is the salem witch trials mm. those people if they got her down i reckon she was dead yeah my first show was immediately after that event and there were two things that i covered in that show one was a excerpt out of the book the new puritans by andrew doyle mm-hmm. which is a fantastic book i read yes, it at the end of last year and he uses the analogy of the salem witch trials for these new Puritans. And I think it was Quillette many years ago described it as the purity spiral of how the saviour complex that a lot of these people have, misguided most times as it is. So I discussed that. And then I discussed your most recent piece around what you viewed. And I, I read that on air fully because I just felt that that what you wrote completely encapsulated what went on. Mm. I was utterly stunned at what happened not surprised Mm. but stunned that we had as a nation had sunk that low but the positive outcome if there is any is that a lot of everyday people who had absolutely no idea who she was before really don't give a tinker's up about what she's up to what she has to say but But the media created this this mob Mm -hmm. they fueled it they lit the match 
and then they they let the whole thing burn and it's now come back to burn them in the butt i think i think yeah um, the media is totally complicit in this. I just blame them entirely. And when, you know, the Nazis turned up, the literal Nazis turned up at Posey, Posey's thing in Melbourne, that, you know, they set the scene. Yeah, it's funny, you know, this virtue signaling business. They think they're all purity. You know, it's all purity. Oh, yes, you have to not like gollies and you have to, you know, love the trans and, you know, but these are the very same people that are that are virtue signaling and, and, and new Puritans, but they're into kink. They're into pedophilia. They're mm. into... Children, drag queens. It's, My, have minor you noticed the new? Yeah, minor, minor sorry, attractive minor persons, attractive darling. persons. Mm. Exactly. Nah, pedos. Um, I call me old-fashioned. They're pedos. No, they're pedos. So, so I just, you know, may, maybe I'm more conservative than I think. The backlash is coming because I've always, like, I always let people live their lives and do what they do. But now I just see a whole different thing where you are grooming children. <laughs> we are. Talking about mutilation of children, we are stuffing them up with drugs to to make them think they're another sex when it'll never happen. We we are, we people are complicit. Well, I'll never forget, as long as I live, that I will never forget the people who have who have pushed this and what they've done because it will come back to bite them. Mm. This is frontal lobotomy territory, in my opinion. Mm. We all look back on that as a terrible thing. This is a terrible thing. It's funny, I just, you just saying that I've, one of the questions I've got written here is drag queen story are, uh, because you, I mean, as an advocate of free speech, you actually said, well, I don't believe this is free speech. And my question was, is do you believe that this is a form of grooming? So it's not the speech or the stories that are in question, but those yeah. delivering it. Yeah, I, I really felt, and I, and I talked to Paul about that, that the free speech union should not have gone there. I think it was a miscalculation and I stand by that because I think that when you're talking about children, that's why we have R18s, R13s, R16. You don't take children to sexual, adult sexual content, and that's what it is. Sure, they weren't flouncing around at that particular one in Auckland. Well, I don't know because I never got to find out because the media shut all mm. that down and the protesters came and the police came and all the rest of it. But it, it's child grooming. We've seen what happens everywhere else in the world. Whatever happens anywhere else always comes here. And I don't think it's a free speech issue. It's an issue of not taking children to adult content it's mm. basic 101 parenting and anyone who does it i just look at them and shake my head and can't believe they would do that to their children not least of which they're teaching that them that women are stupid like D dylan mavaney's yeah. oh, um, prime caricatures example of us. it's the same thing these men are in woman face dressed up i'm not a woman like that that's not representative of many mm. women that i know but they always dress up like prostitutes and mm. and bimbos and i just don't understand why kids should be exposed to any of that if you want to be a cock and a frock on a rock, if you were in uh, in Australia, you, by all means. And it, there was always an element of performative yeah. nature to it, and that's yeah. where it was. And it was it had its own scene, but it was yeah. adults. It was R eighteen, yeah. and it was something. If you wanted to enjoy that, it'll be part of it. And and, and that was your jam. Good as gold. Good yeah, as gold. As, as a parent, I'm seeing things now that I never, ever thought I would have to yeah. regulate. I mean, the, having two sons, I thought the scariest thing I would have to deal with is the old proverbial playboys under the bed as it was back in the day, because porn <laughs> is everywhere. 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 I don't, and you don't even need to dive into dark places of the internet. I mean, it's in your, in your libraries now. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's scary. It's really <sighs> scary. scary. And I've watched a bit of porn in my life just, just for research purposes, I'll have you know. And I can tell you that I find it absolutely gross because I find it all for men, not for women, pretty mm -hmm. much. And it's just, it's out of control. It's, again, it's just, and it's doing things to people where they cannot have normal relationships, 
Men cannot have normal relationships with women, emotional connections, because they've seen too much porn. So they have to do more and more weird stuff and watch weird stuff to get aroused. And so the cycle continues. So we've, yeah. I guess you could call me a Puritan, but I think we've got to really, no one's touching porn though. No one's touching, there's too much money in porn. Yeah. I, and that's where the, again, COVID lockdowns, the, uh, yeah. detriment that was created yes. around mental yes. health yes. and loneliness. Yes. You know, I have, during COVID, one of the things that really upset me was how the elderly were forgotten, mm -hmm. literally forgotten. They were locked away into care homes or locked away in their own homes. Uh, the level of care supply to them, particularly if they were in independent living, was minimal, but it was the loneliness. You know, they they didn't necessarily have technology that they could interact with and the mental health detriments to them. And you're now looking, I mean, the excess deaths, I mean, mm. there's elephants in the room that we won't go with there. Yes. But the loneliness, I believe a lot of those people died mm. of lack of intervention, lack of timely uh, assistance with medical care and loneliness. It was cruel. It was cruel. It was totally cruel. Rest times were cruel. The whole thing was cruel. Well, they were told to be cruel, so they were cruel. And, you know, there was a lot of glee in that cruelty. I mm. saw it in people. Yep, yep, yep. Glee. That's exactly what it is. It's And, and it shocked me. And, 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 you know, the other thing that shocked me so much was how quickly you can change a society by telling mm. them a load of bullshit and watching people turn and turn against their neighbours and turn against their friends and you can't come to Christmas because you're not vaxxed. And, and it was a real eye-opener. And, and it's it's... Yeah, I carry that with me every day. And I can honestly say that I probably don't have too many more people in my life now who are very pro-vax. And, and it's just happened that way because I mm. don't, I don't, they didn't, haven't, people would, they had no empathy for people who were mandated out of their jobs. I couldn't believe it. I said, you know, there were people there in their 70s that I knew that had been old hippies. And I said, what happened to you? What happened to you as a person that you went through the whole hippie thing and free, free love and free speech and, you know, all that stuff. And, and yet you want, you're advocating for people to lose their jobs because you know, they could just go and get the jab, you know. And I just said to some people, I just don't know who you are anymore. Mm. And, and unfortunately, I've backed away from a lot of that now. Yeah. And so I'm not living in a bubble, but I'm certainly surrounded by people who can kind of, who kind of get it, who kind mm. of get what happened. Uh, or either they were forced into getting the jab and they didn't want to and now they're just totally angry about it. There's lots of people like that. Because mm. they had to have a job. They had to pay their mortgage. We were, it was forced. Don't let anyone tell you any different. You know that. There was the ethics that I found really intriguing, that even when the legislation that was passed in order to allow the um, digital passport system was passed, what, within hours, no public hours. consultation, even that was called out by two senior law professors from two universities here in Amnesty, Amnesty International. Yes, and, and nothing. No one barely even raised a squeak about it. No one did anything in the media. It was just complete. Yeah, COVID gave the media a really good excuse to continue on the trajectory they're on, which is just shutting down dissent and voices. They're just government mouthpieces. I've never lived through a, I've never lived through a period like this, and mm. uh, and it is maybe they always were, but it, you just didn't get that feeling of living in Stalin Russia. They've carried on since then, and they they're the arbiters of everything moral. And I just look at these journalists now, you know, and I look at old colleagues, and I just I just think, wow. What happened to us? Yeah. And they don't get it. They don't they don't think they're doing anything wrong.
Mm. They think... educate us, please. You know? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Apparently. Well, I think the positive thing is is that you know the stations like this are now beginning to find yes. our voice, and uh, and Sean too. Uh, he's he's looking at different sides of the conversation, yeah. and people are now starting to seek out alternative opinions because they've realized i think that's again one of the positives the posies visit is you know she really didn't have to say a word but what she has what has transpired from that visit is people all of a sudden saying hmm i think it's time to start asking questions so that in itself i think is really positive so yeah me too we could keep going all day on this, Rachel, I'm sure. We, we could. could. But look, thank you very much for giving us uh, your time today. That's Rachel Stewart. You can find her on her Substack Riding Shotgun. If you have any comments or views on the interview with Rachel, I'd love to hear them. Email me at inbox at realitycheck.radio or you can now text me on 4040, type RCR and then your message. You've been listening to Counterculture with Marie Busky. Reality Check Radio. Radio. Radio.